Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my incoming technical director, Austin Evans. Hello, my friend. I hear that my job is in high demand now. There's a lot of openings on the grid. There's Well, I would say maybe... Not as high demand, because (laughs) there are are people floating around out there, you know? (laughs) Man, you know what? I feel like this has been an interesting season from just the, like, the chaos, and that, like, obviously there's always some turnover. There's always some shenanigans when it comes to, you know, you've got 10 teams, each with hundreds of employees, and all these egos and everything, but I feel like there's been, like, an extra level of just, like, shenanigans, and we're only halfway through the season. Yep. It feels like silly season has occurred already. Like later on in the episode, we'll talk about any possibilities for what could happen for the rest of silly season. In case you're new, silly season is so we're in the summer break right now. So it's like a month between the races, it's like a time where the teams go away and you know they'll 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 rest or they'll do some improvements. But this is also a time of the year when weird contract stuff starts to occur. New deals are made, people start moving. You know, like one of the classic ones, obviously, right? Is it co- coincides with season one of Drive to Survive when Daniel Ricardo announces he's leaving Red Bull to join Renault, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was So that was, that was like one of the silliest silly season things. We are in silly season now technically. However, it feels like it started weeks ago with our friend Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, you know what? What a just ridiculous, like I can't wait for this season of Drive to Survive. I mean, I just think, especially like Danny Rick and Drive to Survive are so synonymous. Like I think that's why, I think in large part, that's why he has such a huge fan base. I think people already yeah. liked him before, but I think it's so why Red people- Bull hired him right like because they put him in that like third drive where really he was just doing marketing events for red bull because they had reserve drivers he wasn't even their reserve driver yeah um but now it somehow landed to him sitting in alpha tauri yeah so basically he's obviously gone through a very uh circuitous route through the junior formulas he got in through what was toro rosso or now i guess uh, uh alpha tauri he actually had a seat, it was like HRT when he first got the grade or whatever, but he obviously worked up through Red Bull, decided to leave because he was maybe getting outshined by Max a little bit, which we can see that history shows that, that was probably the right move from Red Bull's side. I think, yeah, I think history, while it seemed weird at the time, I think history has shown that like he was best to go then. I think he saw the writing on the wall, like it was just going to get worse and worse for him there. Not that he necessarily had much success anywhere else, but... It was probably better for him from a market perspective to be experienced in other teams than to be sitting around being made to look like a fool from Max Verstappen, probably. Yeah, and obviously it was very profitable for him, maybe not for his reputation, but you know he made a ton of money at uh, Renault, then later Alpine. I think he left right before it turned into Alpine, but and yeah, then he obviously he, he had those couple of years in McLaren, or well. Uh, that didn't maybe end quite so well, but Danny Rick has well, had I would a very... say what he was worried about about Max Verstappen at Red Bull happened to him at McLaren with Lando. Yeah, and in a big right. way, like Lando made him look like a fool by the end of it. Yeah, so he had some time off, and mind you, I do think that it was probably a rough period of time for him. You know, going from Renault, which as soon as he announced that he was leaving, mm-hmm. which he did announce quite early, there's a lot of bad blood there, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about Renault slash Alpine, and that maybe that team's not the healthiest dynamic period but then from there to go to mclaren have all these issues have all these just just absolute just annihilation at the hands of lando and then basically he sort of retired at the end of the last year you know he didn't actually fully like quit but he was basically like, you know what 
I'm not going to be on the grid next year. I'm just going to be kind of like, you know, trying to reset myself. He got that third driver uh, gig with Red Bull, which, you know, you're right. It, at the time, it felt like very much more like a PR move of just, oh, Danny Rick's really popular. He's coming home. It's good narrative, yep. you know, and whatever. And it kept him around, right, which I think is why he did it, which I think was smart. Like, it kept him in the pu- public eye. It kept him in the eye of the teams, right? Like, it was just like a smart move to not leave the grid completely. Yes, because I believe he probably had some at least interest from some of the other teams like Haas or maybe even like Williams, Williams. or whatever. But I th- he was pretty clear last year that he didn't want to just go to like a backmarker team just to be there. And I mean, yes. hindsight is proven. <laughs> well, hindsight is proven that at least going to AlphaTauri, just going to AlphaTauri has like, there's like a shot, right? Like he knows like Checo. Uh, I mean, he is <laughs> arguably in the worst team in the on the grid right now oh yeah or like it's bad. second to worst right like it's kind of between we're going to talk about the, the teams how they're standing but just like if you're looking at performance on track i mean it's between them and alfa romeo right now i feel like of like yeah. these are the kind of the worst teams around but can we talk about nick devries yeah yeah oh, oh. Uh, i mean it's rough man it's it's kind of hard to judge because you're right that alpha towery is awful and, you know, Yuki has, you know, had a couple seasons to really sort of get settled in. It's, it's just very difficult to understand how much of the struggles of that car are the car versus the driver. I tend to think that the car is quite bad, but maybe not quite as bad as what we have been sort of led to believe. Um, mm-hmm. I still have put a lot of stock in Yuki. I still think that, like, this year he's actually stepped Yuki's up in a big way. Yuki's done a decent job. Like, he seems like he's more switched on. This seems like there's less, like childish aggression from him which we've seen in the past right so like it does it's not not there but it feels like he has been able to kind of like channel himself a little more and like he seems to 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 really credit pierre as like yeah the person who helped him understand and i think he now works with daniel ricardo's old trainer oh interesting i didn't know that i don't know if that's now going to change now that daddy's back on the (laughs) back on the grid but so the thing about nick devries you know, it's it's awkward because in Drive to Survive, he had oh. the whole like I'm not a rookie thing, right? Which yeah. is that's that <laughs> felt like that was going to come back to bite him, and it <laughs> really did. And so I was watching a, you know, because I, I was wondering too of like, all right, he had a bad season, he made a bunch of mistakes, um, he wasn't doing very well, but it was very much felt like a rookie, a typical rookie seat, like the one of the two ways a rookie season can tend to go mo- yeah. in modern times, and. Well, at least on a back marker team, right? Because obviously you can do like a Lewis or a Max or a look at Oscar Piastri now, right? You can, but they're like more rare. The typical ones that either like you just go along unnoticed or you put the car into the wall a bunch of times. <laughs> and, you know, to get rid of him half, not even halfway through the season seems a bit of an aggressive move. But I was watching the uh, P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. And one mm-hmm. of the things that they said, it's like a really interesting insight was that DeVries is older. Yes. And he, if it seemed like they needed to put multiple years of work in for him, it yeah. wasn't going to work for Red Bull because yeah. he is already, he's in his late 20s, right? I think. I believe so. And yeah. so his, his life time in racing was, is going to be too short. And if they invest multiple years into him, they're, Red Bull, the organization, will probably not get what they were looking for. And so it would make more sense to go the route that they've gone now of putting someone experienced in and then replacing that with one of their 
uh, juniors down the line. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's a tough thing because I, it's I think that that Alpha Tower was bad, and so I don't think Nick got a great opportunity to show his skills. No. And I do think you look at sort of his sort of history. He's typically not been one of these guys who just hops in and immediately just dominates, right? Like, you know, when he's, like, won, like, Formula E, and I think you know, mm-hmm. he took a couple times to, you know, win the Formula 2 championship. Like, it's one of those things where it's not, like, instant for him, but I completely agree. It was, in hindsight, I think, a very strange move for Red Bull to basically, well, really for Helmut Marco to just say, hey, great job in that Williams last year. You got a point. That's super impressive. Come on over. Like, I think it was maybe a little bit too hasty of a decision, and that's proven out to be the case. But... At the end of the day, I mean, yes, I think Red Bull are probably the most aggressive team on the grid at dropping drivers like midseason and all this kind of stuff. But on the other side, they're the uh, definitely the biggest uh, driver of bringing new talent onto the grid and supporting yep. junior, uh, junior drivers and taking risks. And I mean, they own two teams for a reason, just so they make sure they can funnel te- uh, the uh, the the newer drivers up through to Red Bull. So it's like, to me, it was clear that it was not going to work out, that, you know, another few months or even the rest of the year was not really going to do anything. And I Probably think from not. Red Bull's perspective, bringing Danny Rick in the car is really interesting because, first of all, they have at least a little bit of an idea of his level. They certainly have an idea of Yuki's level. And they've also got the potential Checo problem. So it's like, by putting him in that seat and at least giving him, you know, the next, you know, few months and, you know, the half the season or whatever to 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 get some results. They'll have a much better idea of their options for, you know, for Checo. They also I think is it's going to be interesting to see how he really is able to measure up to Yuki because it's hard to say when the car's bad. But I feel like we've seen flashes of like, wait a minute, Yuki's actually like, I mean, we've always known he's quick, but we've seen like he's actually like had some really good actual like strategic drives. Like he's like really sort of advancing as a driver. So I'm really curious to see like, I don't think it's a done deal at all that Danny Rick is able to outperform Yuki. I know that most people are kind of just assuming, oh, of course, you know, the old Danny Rick's going to crush him. But like, I think Yuki actually might be better. Yeah, Yuki might be better than a lot of people kind of give him credit for. So I I think it opens their options. I love Daniel Ricciardo. I don't rate modern Daniel Ricciardo. I don't. Like, I will say it, like... I thought he was going to be a disaster in these last two races, and he has not been. And so, like, I'm happy to be wrong there because I want to see him perform. But, like, we'll talk later on about Checo. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Daniel Ricciardo is a worry for Checo. Like, I just don't see that. Like, I think a lot of people really want this to be the story, but I do not... I Honestly, to me, if you put... Daniel Ricciardo in that Red Bull, I do not see him doing a better job than current Sergio Perez, who like, who has had a not great second half, to, like second half of the first half of the season, right? Yeah, but he's still putting in great performances. Like, I, and I just don't, I don't see Daniel Ricciardo doing that based on his time at McLaren, right? Yeah. Like, Lando yeah. was crushing him. Like you know, I feel like we've some like it's maybe we've too soon forgotten that everyone thought he wasn't going to have a seat this year anyway. Yeah, right? as yeah. we were getting towards the end of the last season, it was a foregone conclusion that Ricardo was going to be gone from McLaren. Yeah, and so like I don't see how now we can put him in what is the best car and hope that he's going to get like a fantastic result. Like I I, just, I don't really see that being the case, but. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, again, we can talk about uh, talk about Checo later, but from yeah. the Red Bull perspective, they now have 
three interesting potential uh, partners to Max, right? Where our Checo obviously is the safer bet. He's there. He's already got contracts. You know, that's the the obvious sort of decision. But you've got Yuki, who again they can help maybe evaluate a little bit more. And they also have Danny Rick, who, if nothing else, might just put the pressure on Checo to step it up because it's a clear sort of like warning sign of like, hey, Checo, you know, we want you to be our guy, but. We've got, you know, the backup, uh, you know, who if, if you drop the ball, we're going to swap you out. You know, it not only shows that they're not going to mess around by dropping drivers, but also that they do have a decent sort of talent pool in the background. So to me, I think it's more so of just a strategic move for Red Bull to be able to have those backup options. And again, to help get a little bit of a better sense for what Danny Rick's level is, what Yuki's level is when they're going head to head. I think one of the biggest stories of the last few weeks has been Aston down McLaren up like when we last recorded it felt like oh Aston Martin's second team now like they yeah. found it they've unlocked it my read on this now is that Aston Martin just put their upgrades in earlier than everybody else so like what would have been their upgrades because like, that's yeah. how it feels right of like yeah. we started the season and they were doing okay and then they like propelled and would making everybody else look bad, and then some teams started to come up a bit closer, and then McLaren just went from the back to the front, which is unbelievable, right? So they found their upgrade package has now propelled them to be a contender now for the rest of the season, it would seem. Can I give you my, my theory? Yeah. So I think that almost every team on the grid, their current like sort of competitiveness is just how quickly they hit the photocopier button on the Red Bull last year. Oh, so if yeah. you remember... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Aston... Yeah, that makes so much sense. They had a really rough beginning of last year, right? You know, there was all this hype, Aston Martin, da-da-da-da-da, piles of money, and then uh, clearly it was not particularly impressive. So I believe it was like mid-season of last year, they kind of like hit the big reset button and started what I believe working on this much more Red Bull-inspired design. Mm. You know, I think they probably started focusing a little bit more on 2023. So they came out of the starting blocks super strong with a car that was significantly more developed than something like the Mercedes, which again, it was literally the very beginning of this year that Mercedes realized, oh, hey, you know what? We need to just abandon this zero side, con- uh, zero side pod concept. And it's actually somewhat similar when I, you think about McLaren because because, you know, they had talked about even at their launch event, you know, in January, February, whatever. Like, yeah, this car, not great. We've got another one that we're working on right now that once you see it, that'll be really good. And they were 100% true. You know, that car was super underbaked for the first half of the, of the season. Yep. But once they brought out their much more Red Bull-inspired design, suddenly they had a, I think, a shocking amount of performance for everyone involved. I don't think anyone was really expecting them to, you know, skyrocket up to start getting, you know, consistent podiums. And, and you know, they almost had two drivers on the podium, you know, a few weeks ago, right? So it's like... Uh, to me, I think it's just a matter of Red Bull have the quote-unquote correct design of a car. And it's just a matter of who has realized that and tried to copy that as quickly as possible. And it just happened that Aston copied it early. They had a bunch of success earlier in the year. Now a bunch of the other teams are starting to sort of catch up and you know, McLaren being a one. And I think that that's sort of skewing that competitive order, which is a little disappointing to me just because I feel like Alonso is a terrific driver and it's so nice to see him up there. And, you know, what he had, what, like three or four or five podiums? Like he was just absolutely up there, you know, week after week. And now I'm a little concerned, like, oh, you know what? Is, is he going to be back on the podium this year? They're like, forgettable now. They've, they've gone from being like the talk of the town to like, I feel like I'm not really aware of what's going on with them during yeah. the race weekends, like well, yeah. during the race itself. Like they're they're kind of like middle to back, and it's you know they because I mean it as well. It's like what what is the talk of the town? The talk of the town is McLaren right now, right? 
So yeah. Focusing on that a bit more. And it'd be interesting uh, to see. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting just to see like if that really stays true though, because I would not be surprised if there's maybe a little bit more like the way that the regulations are right now and the way that we've clearly seen teams be massively upper mobile, uh, right? I mean, you didn't really see that, uh, you know, three, four, five years ago. There was never a point in which, oh, you know what? This team suddenly gained a second per lap and went from yeah. like the eighth fast to the second fastest or something. So I'd be curious to see if we see any more sort of leapfrogging in the in the I don't standings. know. I, 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 my understanding from just like reading stuff online is that most teams have now turned their attention to next year. Like that yeah. they're that there's not necessarily going to be more gains, but maybe some teams have a couple of things that they've yet to implement, right? But yeah. And so maybe it's like there was stuff that was being developed a few months ago that hasn't been put on the car, but that from now there's probably going to be no more new development for the for later in the season, which I guess would kind of make sense anyway, right? Like yeah. if you're talking about like, oh, work you would do now would come in like in three quarters down the season, really it doesn't, for most teams, that's probably not going to change their outcome very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that this is probably how every generation goes, right? That there is one car that dominates and then everybody just tries mm-hmm. to copy that concept. Because yeah, well, when we started this out, there were a bunch of different concepts, right? And now Red Bull's won and now everyone has to try and follow them. And Mercedes were too arrogant, I feel like, and and felt like that they could make their concept work and they didn't. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And also we have to consider that, you know, these regulations are very prescriptive. There's not that much freedom that the teams even have to begin with. And there's also a cost cap, right? So teams like Mercedes and Ferrari can't just throw hundreds of millions of dollars at the problem and just sort of develop their way out of a bad car. You know, like you kind of have to at this point commit to something pretty early. And if you want to pivot, you're going to either have to wait till next year or in the case of something like McLaren, you're going to basically spend six months trying to catch up just to get something that's usable. So, I mean, I think it's good in some ways. I've been, and again, we're going to talk a lot about this later. I'm really happy with some of the, um, the, the flexibility we've seen in like the midfield. Like there's been a lot of stuff where it's just, it's been kind of shaking up the order, but you know, what's also been shaking up the order is Alpine. I don't know if you noticed, they have been dominating the headlines for bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely dominant in the last week on the F1.com website. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, uh, we were texting a lot about this over the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but like what a disaster of just, uh, yep. oh, oh, man. so I, I have mean, a personal theory about what, what has happened to Alpine. Yeah. Um, so the first domino to fall was the CEO, Lauren Rossi. I think Rossi was the problem here. Okay, okay. Because he was making a lot of weird comments about, like, the performance of the team and if Alpine was, you know, if it was worth continuing. And I I got a a comment from Alan Prost, who was advising with them. Prost says, Rossi's very public disdain for how the team has been doing raised plenty of eyebrows and the subsequent staff reshuffle seen him replaced as Alpine CEO. I think that he was like maybe the bad core that then was built around him. And now like Renault have just like stripped the team out, which I also don't think was a good idea. Like it to me just doesn't seem like a smart, like I'm not sure why they felt the need to get rid of their four most important team members. Right. So they've got rid of the CEO, the team principal of Otmar Safnar, Mm -hmm. Alan Permain, who was sporting director and Pat Fry, who was the chief technical officer. Fry is going to Williams. Yeah. To be their chief technical officer. 
uh, I don't know how you get to that point. Yeah. But I do yeah. feel like Rossi was seemed to be a problem. Yeah, no, I, I never liked the idea of trying to pen a Formula One team's issues on a person. Like, no one person ever is going to be the problem across the board. But when you look at someone like a CEO or a team principal, if things are not going well, you've got to put a significant amount of blame on their shoulders because that's quite literally their job is to make sure that things are going well or at least moving in the right direction. And it just seems like, you know, Alpine is really the only proper works team on the grid who have consistently underperformed, right? I mean, Ferrari, yeah, they're not doing great. But Ferrari, even when they're not doing well, are still able to snipe for occasional podiums, able to qualify well. Like, a bad Ferrari yeah. is still a decent team. A Aston Martin, you know, maybe in a few years, once they've actually got their works deal, like, you know, I think the expectations will be a little bit raised. But the thing is, there's been so much money poured into that Alpine team, which you could argue maybe that they didn't invest enough. And I think that there is a real argument that, you know, Alpine or slash Renault have come and gone and come and gone from Formula One so much. And they got this team. And when they did get Alpine or the existing uh, Renault team, like it was in kind of rough shape. Right. So they had to sort of invest in it. So it's just one of those things where. It doesn't seem like they've hit their stride in any way. They probably were most competitive when they had a okay car and Danny Rick behind the wheel. Like that seemed like that was sort of like peak Renault. But they've got decent drivers, but it doesn't seem like the team is built in any sort of structurally sound way around them whatsoever. And the problem is it's just it, – I don't understand what they need to do because it just feels like they do potentially need this full reset maybe they do need to just clean house restart but that's a really dangerous idea with an f1 team like oh you know we're just gonna just fire everyone and just start over from scratch okay cool what's the goal i don't know not to suck anymore it's like well I, it just it's gonna be a little hard for me to wrap my head around them just doing this in such a scattershot sort of uh, unorganized it, kind of way it seems Is it gonna like be they've done it midway through the season without a plan yes because yes that's it that's that's the thing that concerns me. It's like, yeah. well, where's who's the team principal? Who is it? Yeah. Like I feel like this would have been a better announcement if they would have immediately said who was going to fill these roles. Yes. Because yes. also it was super weird where it was like, all right, we're doing it now, but they'll all be in place this weekend. Yeah. And what, then the, like, why did they do it before the Belgian Grand? Why didn't they do it? After right the after. Belgian Grand Prix. It's like, it's like when you get fired at work and your boss says, hey, but can you stay on a couple of days and train your replacement? It's like, how about like no? You had the perfect time, which is the summer break. Like, oh. why did they... <laughs> it's all very weird, right? And like, yeah, I don't... Like, I, I see what you're saying about like pinning things. I, I do believe that the team principle is a role that makes an effect. Yes. Yeah, no, it's certainly something, I mean, again, it is your job as the team principal yes. to make sure that, you know, that things are being progressed in the right way, that the right people are in the right places. Like, I mean, you know, that's one of the things I feel like, you know, sometimes even in like the regular business world, people go like, oh man, this this CEO makes all this money. It's like, okay, yeah, obviously maybe $100 million a year is stupid, right? I'm not, I'm not defending yep. that. But I think it's easy to just say like, oh, you know, a CEO or a team principal, whatever, is just sort of this like ceremonial like figurehead. It's like, no, the buck stops with them. And when you're talking about these massive massive sums and these incredibly important projects or companies or whatever, mm -hmm. the CEO is getting paid all that money because if he does not do what he needs to do, then it is a catastrophic thing for you know hundreds or maybe even thousands of people. So it's like, if you don't have that right structure in place, and if you're not progressing in the way that you should, and you're seeing that everyone's flying past you, you know, Aston flew past them, now McLaren's th uh, flown past them, and it's just like, what are they doing? They're just sitting there spinning their wheels, and... Uh, 
if you don't see some progress, it's like you got to assume that like you know Renault slash Alpine are gonna like you know what? Why are we even bothering? What like mm-hmm. let's just sell this team off? Which to be fair, earlier this year, it's easy to forget that they did actually sell a chunk of the team to a, a series of investors, including I think it wasn't it like Ryan Reynolds and some some celebrities. Oh my and, god, I forgot about that. Yeah, so like clearly they're trying to like diversify themselves a little bit away from the F1 team, which is still probably worth you know. A, solid billion dollars or whatever you know it's it's not cheap it's not nothing but it's just like you, you just see them not making progress and it's just like what are we even doing here because yeah, i feel like mclaren andreas stella seems to have had an impact like when mclaren started to have their um resurgence that was yeah. a lot of the conversation was around like it was andreas's plan like he came in late so couldn't put things into place and then they did a big reshuffling of their technical organization and how like the decisions flowed through the team. And so they're saying that a lot of that is what led to the performance that they're seeing now, you know, and, and I can, I, I believe that that is the case, right? But you've got to give people time to, yeah. but yeah, this whole thing just seems very awkward and weird and without a plan. And I think the, without a planness of it yes. all makes me, a little concerned for them. Not good. It's not good. But you know no. what? That's why we watch F1. We want it. We want the action drama, on baby. and off track. Yeah. Yep. We gotta it's keep uh, Drive to Survive spicy for next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Should we take a quick look through uh, the teams? And yes. Just maybe give like some high level thoughts wherever we're interested. Uh, so we've got you know if we take a look at the teams first. Surprise, surprise. So we've got Red Bull at the top. Um, Aston Martin are still second. Um, so Red Bull's at 224 points. Aston Martin is at 102. Mercedes is literally right behind them now at 96 points. And, and I expect that to change. I, I reckon that probably after the summer break of in a race or two, Mercedes will be uh, up there um, taking Aston Martin's place if the current trends continue. Um, Ferrari. Quick, quick question. Wait, uh, yeah. on the actual team standings, because isn't Mercedes P two and Aston's P three right now? Let me refresh my browser window. Yep. <laughs> I was, was like, wait, cached, Mike, this what is cash from months ago. Uh, Red Bull is at five hundred and three so points. <laughs> Mercedes is at two forty seven. Like, Aston Martin is at 196. Am I hallucinating? Like, wait, I thought Mercedes passed them. That I mean, I've amazing. got to say, I'm very <laughs> impressed with the performance of the caching on Microsoft Edge. Uh, yeah, no kidding, man. No this kidding. This machine like- has been power cycled multiple times, but it kept that information. So, like, really, uh, this episode brought to you by the caching system of Microsoft Edge. If you would like your data to be six months out of date, use Microsoft Edge. It's okay. Internet Explorer is still with us in spirit. Mm -hmm. incredible wow that was wild all right so let me restart that red bull at 503 points mercedes at 247 aston martin at 196 aston martin are slipping down the order ferrari's at 191 so ferrari is right on their tails that will change over yeah mclaren has jumped up to 103 then alpine at 57 williams at 11 Haas at 11 uh, Alfa Romeo nine points at ninth, and Alfa Tauri three points in tenth position. Oh man! I mean, you can break it up to like you know, it feels like Williams, Haas, and Alfa Romeo are quite well balanced. I would say that Williams is probably actually the better car of them, but it's hard to say because Sargent hasn't been super impressive. I think Albon has been tremendously successful. I think that 
It's easy to say that this is his best season in F1 yet. I just yep. think that the results he's pulling and out James of the car. James Files is yes. the greatest team principal. Like, I don't know if you follow their social media or all, yeah, Williams. Yeah. He, the way he can communicate what's going on with a team and the decisions that they make, next level. Like, that yes. is, if you, do, if you do one thing after this episode, if you're not following Williams on Instagram or whatever, you should yeah. be. Because because James will come on and he'll talk about like he even talks about their strategy decisions mm-hmm. like if they make a good one or a bad one he'll be like so we thought it was going to be this but it ended up not really going that way but this is why we would still have made that decision you know it's just like yeah. he's such a good communicator yes. I, and I like as well like that Sky are bringing him in like he's one of the people that they bring in to talk about stuff and I, I think he's awesome like I think honestly once he's done he'll he'll probably go into the media side because he oh yeah he's, it's like bernie collins like yeah. I, I really like bernie collins as an addition to the broadcast team as well like bernie is doing, does such a good job of explaining the strategy mm-hmm. but like i've i've never heard someone talk so clearly about team decisions as james files has been doing it's super good yeah no i think it's that, as we're talking about Alpine a second ago, that is what real leadership looks like. You know, someone who yep. is incredibly sharp, who understands the way that things should be. I also appreciate the fact that he's very, I think, sort of plain spoken and that you don't hear like almost everyone is full of politics and, you know, they, they give you these very political answers of like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I feel like he's like, yeah, we're not good. We have 20 year olds hack in the factory. We need to do this, but we are going to do it like that. I mean, you've got to imagine as a team who has had a rough rough period for i mean what uh 10 years now at this point almost since they had any kind of vague sort of success you gotta imagine that, that is such a breath of fresh air like hey wait a minute this is not the same sort of disaster that we've been kind of working with like this is actually you know fresh energy fresh ideas from a guy who clearly knows how to be a part of a championship winning team so to yep. me it's like that's exciting to see i'm happy to see that and it's like has and alpha are not terrible but it's clearly like there's like sort of that like group c on the bottom you've got sort of alpine who were well ahead of everyone including mclaren or at least uh ahead of the bottom five until mclaren out of nowhere went from like what they're like 20 or 30 points a few races ago now they're at 100 so you imagine just a few more races like that it's possible they could they went from like p16 p17 to p2 p3 yes in just a week it was unbelievable yeah, it's wild, but it's good for them, right? I'm very happy that they're able happy. to do that. Yeah. And honestly, Ferrari, it's still a little bit of a disappointment, but uh, again, it almost feels like Ferrari are having a non-season. Like last year, they were... Yes, yeah they, yeah. they had a real shot last year, or at least it felt like that in the first half of the year. Now it's like they're there, they're kind of almost... I hate to say this. They're almost kind of back to their sort of natural position, which is like trailing but on that sort of like kind of lead you know they're always in the hunt for points they're usually in the hunt for the you know first five positions but rarely do we ever think like you know uh leclerc was on pole last week right and zero people thought he was going to win that race right like it was just not even a it was a foregone conclusion that he was not yeah, going to be that i mean it wasn't an earned pole right which i think right. is what led to it but like if he P2. would have actually even he did the, come p2 yeah 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 but like but. it's just it's just one of those things where like Ferrari have maybe stabilized a little bit, but it just feels like their natural level is almost a little bit lower down. Whereas you see, uh, you know, McLaren, you see Aston, you see Mercedes. That it feels like that's where the dynamic part of the season is because Red Bull have run away with this thing by you know thirty kilometers or whatever. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's ridiculous, right? But I think the other three teams are really what's kind of keeping things spicy, and it's it's been okay. 
We got a lot to talk about, but it's been, I think, a good season. I just, I just throw my thoughts out there real quick. I think it's been we'll, a good we'll, season. We'll, go, we'll double back around to that. So talking about we should go to the drivers now. I think, yeah, this is still true, which I just think is fantastic. Like Max Verstappen at 314 points. <laughs> Verstappen on his own would be winning the championship for the teams. <laughs> he has, Max Verstappen has more points than both Mercedes drivers. It's it's wild. I think that this year is going to go down as one of the most dominant F1 seasons of all time. And we've oh, seen... Oh, I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be, right? Like, he... There is no... It's like it's not even a... There's no question. Nothing that happens to him... Honestly, I feel like at this point, if he got a DNF, he'd still win the race. Like, I don't know how... <laughs> But I feel like it doesn't matter what happens to him. Yeah. He'll still win it. It's, it is truly unbelievable. Like, it is dominant. I have not seen this kind of dominance. Like, when Mercedes were dominant, Lewis wasn't dominant like this. Yeah. Like, in the, race, the seasons that I saw. Yeah. Like, like it is unbelievable. Like, 2020, I think, was a very, very good year for Lewis. But, obviously, that was a weird year in a bunch of ways. And it's like... You know, you can go back to maybe like the early like hybrid days, you know, where Mercedes were really dominant. But the thing is, it was never quite like this because, you know, you look back in those first few years and it was really Lewis and Nico going absolutely like head to head. It was not like a, oh, one driver's going to win 13 races in a row, which is probably what Max is going to end up doing by the end of the year. And it's like you can go all, I mean, honestly, the, the best analogy would be either to go back to sort of prime Ferrari Schumacher days in the early 2000s or go even all the way back to when Williams won like 700 billion races in a row and, you know, there's the same yep. sort of dominance for McLaren. So it's like, because this is the thing that we're hearing a lot now of like the consecutive win records yeah. that are being broken by the, the Red Bull has taken it, right? And now yep. Max is like, he's inching closer and closer to having, so like that's the dominance, right? Yeah. Like, and like that is it. It's, look, it's not exciting. I feel like to, f- for Max particularly, like it's not thrilling to watch him win. It's thrilling to watch him race. Like he's, yeah. you know, and, and he does some interesting things and <laughs> it's makes like- some... <laughs> You know, it, choices it, sometimes. But it's like, like an F1 when I said it to easy for the AI. That feels yeah. like what you watch Max every weekend. Which, I mean, like, pops to him. He does but, things he doesn't need to do, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but like he just continues to push. And I guess that's what means he can be so dominant is like yeah. even when it's obvious he's going to win, he seems to never treat it as such and will like continue he's having to fun. put in. Yeah he's, yeah, he's having fun or he's just in the zone or like whatever it is, right? And it's like it feels to me like he can't turn it off. <laughs> and that's what makes him a winner. No, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he, there is no, like, and they're probably all like this to a point, right? But there's no, like, I'm just going to bring like, it home. Race this one out. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah. like he'll just keep going and going and going. Well, one more pit stop, right? Building one a more. bigger and bigger gap. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's, it's like, I, I got I to be somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, but like, it is, it's truly incredible. But then yeah. the rest, but the race, you know, the season is what's happening behind him. Yes, and I think yes. that that that's what I've taken, and I think people that are saying this season is boring, which I'm hearing a lot. Like, mm. it's only if you're thinking about Max all the time, like yeah. you know, like because if what you consider bo- like the the part that's boring is that he's winning all the time, just stop paying attention to that. Like, there's so much going on behind him. Just pay attention to second and back, and just like yeah. be like, oh yeah, he won another one. But like, there's so much going on in like not even just the midfield it's like everywhere the, 
it's like second and backwards. Yeah. But, you know, Perez is at 189. Uh, Alonso is at 149. And Hamilton, 148. Yep. Feel like probably Lewis is going to Yeah. Overtake. Lewis has been on right. quite good form, especially like the last handful of races, really the whole season. He's just really yep. been sort of back to prime Lewis with a car, which is at least a little bit better than last year. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's, Lewis has had a much better season, right? So like George is, so it goes Leclerc at 99, George at 99. Like there's like 50 points between George and, and Lewis. And George has had a bit of bad luck yeah. this year, but I think they're both doing, you know, I think they're doing kind of what they did last year. I think the two of them are out driving that car again, right? Like I just think that's, that's kind of where they are. They seem to be able to do things that the car is not really letting them do. Um, it's, that's would be my view on it. But the car is better this time. Yeah. Than it was this time last year. Yeah. Um, but still not good enough. It, it does feel like George's uh, last year, obviously George had a good year. And I think that you can chalk up a little bit of his outperformance of Lewis to Lewis did spend a lot of last year trying to get on top of the car. You know, he was doing a lot of the experimental setups and, and whatnot. And, yeah. and I think this year around, it feels like maybe the order has been sort of reshuffled a little bit. I think Lewis has just been terrific, right? I think just full yep. stop. I think George has been pretty decent, although I do think that some unluck, uh, unluckiness aside, I do think that most uh, weekends, Lewis has just had the measure of him. I think Lewis has just been more on top of it. But, you know, I, just, I think the points difference the little, is some yeah, of the bad luck, much. right? Yeah. Like the, the fact that there is 50 points between them. Yeah. But it is not a surprise to me that Hamilton is above Russell because. Mm-hmm. I think that going back to what you're saying, like last year, I think Lewis just was not prepared for what was going to happen. Yeah. Right? Like, and I think that it was more of a shock to him than for George. George I'm in a Mercedes, let's go! Diff- <laughs> but he was used to difficult... I, I genuinely feel like he was just more used to difficult drives. And like, like Lewis... P10, had, sign me up! It's <laughs> like, I'll take it, baby! Although I still feel bad for him, right? Like, cause I, I, I will always feel bad for George Russell because he's like... Great, I'm going to win the championship next year. You know what I mean? Like, easy. I'm a great driver. I've got the best car. No. Nope. Um, Science is also uh, is in at seventh with 92 points. And then Norris, he's pulling up at 69. And then we kind of go on from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no real big surprises. I mean, yeah. I guess uh, right now the only drivers who don't have any points are Logan Sargent, uh, Nick DeVries, and Danny Rick. Nick DeVries, obviously, you know, probably if he had some points, he probably would still be around. Danny Rick has only had a couple of races. Sargent has not been particularly impressive. I don't think it's a huge surprise I to anyone. I am impressed with Logan Sargent. Are you really? Okay, okay. Tell me the last bad thing he did. Well, he didn't do a lot of bad things. He's not that fast. Like, I think but you look what at what I Alex mean, I feel like. Car, so remember earlier on in the episode, I was talking about the two ways that it can tend to go for a rookie. Yeah, I think Sergeant is on the good path. He's, he's not putting path. it in the wall, right? Yeah, like he's not doing true. great, right? Yeah. But like I had very little faith in him. Mm, yeah, because he just got in, right? Like, sure, yeah, yeah. He just got the amount of points in his super license, and they snuck him in, and now he's on. Like, so I feel like I was expecting Sergeant to be like a Mazepin. Right, then, like he yeah. wouldn't have been able to handle it, and it would, yeah. you know. And so I, I feel like for his, for a first season, he's just putting in the work, and like he's making advancements. And I, I would say he's doing fine. Like, did anybody expect him at season break to have more than zero points? Like, really? Mm, yeah, probably not. Yeah, that's like fair. I feel like he is he is doing exactly what should be asked of him at this point. Yeah, I would say maybe a little bit. 
of like considering that Alex has gotten 11 points has pulled in you know tremendous yeah, but Alex Albon used to drive a Red Bull right like I don't yeah like yeah like I don't think it's fair to compare the two of them I I I agree I agree I only thing it says I think Sergeant he's doing fine I don't think he needs to be fired or anything but I think if there's he has a, not doing scored a, a point by the end of the season then I'll be disappointed right like that's I agree, what I would agree. want I want to see him get in the points for at least one race and then I would honestly consider that as like chalk it up to a good first year but sure. we need more next year but like sure this is hard right this is known to be difficult right like look at Mick Schumacher as well right mm-hmm. like yeah. Schumacher in a much worse state than Sargent was I feel like you know so yeah. I just feel like I was expecting Logan Sargent to be a disaster and he yeah. is mostly just around and <laughs> I think that that is a win for him <laughs> you know what I- I'll agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Just existing and not causing millions of dollars of damage every week is probably pretty decent. Yeah. Um, but you get, I feel like you get one season like that at a team like sure. Williams. Well, on the flip side. Because DeVries, yeah, maybe yeah. if DeVries wasn't putting <laughs> it in the wall all the time, yeah, then he might have been, you know what I mean? Like it, yep. he was, like DeVries did cause one of my favorite moments of all time in Formula One, which is that one wheel. And I think it was in Azerbaijan, just like rolling down the track. That was, oh. I think that was DeVries's wheel, right? <laughs> but like, I feel like Sargent is, I mean, he's not been perfect. He's, he's spanned off a few times. He's put it in the wall a couple of times, but like, I don't know. I just feel like he's, he, he surprised me. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Sargent fanboy at the moment. You're, you got a little uh, American blood coursing through your veins. Yeah, you, I'm waving you want, my flags. You, you want to hear the Star Spangled Banner on the podium? Mm. Look, all yeah. I want is for him to score a point in Vegas. Oh, we'll be that'd happy. be good. That would Logan be good. Logan Sargent, P1, Las oh, Vegas. Book you know it. what? Wait a minute. That's actually not a crazy idea. That Williams is really fast in a straight line. And the Vegas track is basically just all straight a, lines. Yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> You know what? I, I, Could I, happen. You know, it's almost as if there's a place that you go to bet on such things called Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Wouldn't yep. that be just a... Mm. Uh, anyone else jump out to you? Uh, any any other highlights from the drivers so far this year? I mean, we've already spoken about Albon. Um, I would say Zhou Guan Yu's having a good season. Yeah? With what that Alfa Romeo can do, right? Um, he, I think he's doing pretty good. The Alpines, you know, again, the team seems like a disaster, but they're both putting in decent. It yeah. feels like they're doing the best they can with what they've got. Yep. Um, Oscar? I love that Lance Stroll's in the top 10. I just think that's funny. Like, I enjoy that personally. Yeah. That's he, good. That's good. He's only, uh, sorry, let me look at uh, 100 points behind his teammate. I'm sorry, 102 points behind his teammate, 47 to 149. Mm-hmm. So, good job, Lance. But he's still in the top ten, you know what I mean. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's uh, Oscar's the uh, the uh, the highlight. I think he's. Of course, we have yes. Yeah, yeah. like because I think he did not have a super exciting beginning of the year. But I mean, that car sucked. You know, when he him and Lando are like P seventeen, P nineteen. What do you expect? But I think he's kept his nose clean. He's delivered yep. some really solid performances in the sprint. He really got unlucky not getting the podium a couple weeks ago. And now that the car has been uh, unleashed and is fast, it's really impressive to see him right there with Lando. Because I think everyone vote, uh, rates Lando as a very top-tier driver. And the fact that Oscar, as a rookie, is maybe not quite there, but honestly, like he's the, the two of them, I would actually say, it's weird to say this, but like, are, is probably one of like the closest driver pairings on the grid. Like I would put them alongside yep. like you know Charles and Carlos, or like you know yep. Lewis and George of like two teammates who are both quite 
consistently in that maybe not quite as close but like still doing quite well and it's like it's impressive to see again as a rookie that he is out there keeping his head when he's got you know max and lewis all over him and you know he's just cool calm and most importantly fast i'm happy to say i was very wrong about oscar piastri like i just didn't think he would be able to come close to lando because lando is so good right and he has and he is and he's beaten him in places so like Mm -hmm. i i'm really happy just because he caused a big mess right (laughs) and like a lot of fuss yeah and i felt like to ca- he needed to be able to cash in on that fuss, and I feel like he now can. Yeah. It feels like to this point, it wasn't his fault that he couldn't, right? But now, like, you know, I, there's that great meme, you know, the domino meme? Yeah. Right? Where, like, there's, like, the someone pushes the small dominoes and there's the big dominoes. And it's, like, I saw one the other day, which was, like, Oscar Piastri tweet, and then, like, Alpine implodes. <laughs> right? Because you That's can... Good. Because <laughs> as well, I mean, it can't help help the situation, right? That now, like Alpine can see what Oscar Piastri. Like, why isn't? Why don't we have him? You yeah, know? yeah. But, but yeah, so I, I'm I'm really hoping Piastri continues and like gets his way like firmly into the top ten before the end of the season. Oh yeah, uh, both him and Lando. To be honest, like I I really want to see McLaren like do the Aston and like storm this thing right for the for the second half of the season. That would just be really great. I would love that. All right, ready for a pit stop? I am prepared and ready, my friend. All right. And go. This episode of The Back Markers is brought to you by Bitdefender, a global leader in cybersecurity. In the world of Formula One racing, every millisecond counts, and cybersecurity is no different in stopping attacks. Just like a driver needs a helmet for protection, using a device without proper protection can lead to serious consequences. When it comes to protecting your digital life, you want the best security possible, and that is exactly what Bitdefender provides. Bitdefender is a company that's driven by a mission for top performance in technology and innovation, and they put their customers' needs first and foremost. As a global leader in cybersecurity, Bitdefender has been recognized recognized time and time again for its commitment to excellence. They've won numerous awards for their innovative solutions and dedication to customer satisfaction. Plus, they're trusted by millions of people around the world to keep their digital lives safe and secure, all while constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible in the world of cybersecurity. What sets Bitdefender apart is their focus on innovation and technology. They're always at the forefront of new developments in cybersecurity, working tirelessly to stay ahead of the latest threats. They use advanced machine learning algorithms to detect and block all kinds of threats in real time, and they provide multi-layer protection that keeps you safe from all kinds of online threats, including zero-day attacks. If you want to protect your digital life with the best security possible, trust Bitdefender. Their leadership in cybersecurity is underpinned by a desire to serve customer needs first and foremost. Head to bit.ly slash discoverbitdefender to learn more about Bitdefender and find the best cybersecurity solution for you. That is bit.ly slash discoverbitdefender. Go there right now and there's a link in the show notes. A thanks to Bitdefender for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Time one forty three thirty five. That was that was pretty good. You uh, you didn't have to box for the enters that time. Forty three thirty five. Yep. I shaved nine seconds. That's very impressive. Good job, Mike. Are you gonna do a victory lap? Some some donuts, maybe. I'm gonna. I'm very happy to get the fastest pit stop award. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Bit Defender, for giving Mike the words to win.
Mm-hmm. The words to win. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Use it next time. <laughs> Where are you feeling on the season so far? There's, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of takes online about the season. Where are you? Yeah, we're all spoiled because we've had some of the greatest Formula One seasons of all time recently. You know, I think 2021 is going to go down as one of the best seasons ever. Like it's just, it's just that was so phenomenal and incredibly exciting, just terrific, right? Absolutely terrific. So I think you know we're coming off of that. We're coming off of 2022, which was, I think, a good season, and especially in the first half. There was some real drama as far as, like, Ferrari are back, you know, all the, the team orders have been sort of mixed up, and, you know, Mercedes falling off the back, and, like, you know, there was a lot of interest and excitement, and even though by the end it was very clear that Red Bull and Max just walked away with it. But for a while there, it was really, really interesting. I think this year... It's not quite as chaotic. You know, we're not seeing, you know, these massive, massive swings. But that being said, we are seeing the big swings. And when it comes to like McLaren and Aston, you know, that's something that's definitely not sort of expected going into this year. We've also seen, uh, well, look, I don't think anyone loves to watch, like you were saying earlier, Max win by 45 seconds every, every weekend. But there's definitely a certain appreciation for me as far as seeing a team and really a driver be so dominant, right? Because it's like, it's clear that they are the best team and driver on the grid period right now. And when you put those two together it's not even funny right and i think that if anything the fact that checo has had so many struggles really highlights just how good of a job max is doing because if it was so easy because the car is so great uh, checo should be p2 every weekend right like it's clear the car has the pace for that but we're not seeing that we're seeing that yes Yes, Checo is a good driver, but it's not that easy to get that sort of speed out of any car. And the fact that Max is dominating so thoroughly to me is like, I respect it, right? I respect it. It does make the wins a little bit of a foregone conclusion. But outside of that, I would still say it's a pretty good season. I think that it's just, you have to kind of lower your expectations a little bit. It's not going to be every year is going to be absolutely amazing and wild. Like the fact that we've got so much sort of chaos in the midfield and, you know, teams coming up and down and stuff like to me, that's still pretty solid. Like, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think you might be muted. I was muted. I apologize. <laughs> I was, I was saying something nice about Max Verstappen. Oh, they, I see. You just like quickly muted. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> it's like, Oh, did I say something good? Yeah. What I was saying is I, I, res- I respect, I respect Max Verstappen's dominance. Right. Like, Bow down to Max Verstappen. I respect his dominance. Like, it's kind of you know, it's hard to argue. You just like what? There what is no argument. Yeah. I'm I'm like, I'm not the best. I'm not like the number one Max Verstappen fan, right? Everybody knows this. Yeah, but I can see how good he is. Like, I see he's one. He's probably will be considered one of the greatest of all time, right? Yeah. Like, of course, just on these seasons alone, like he could retire at the end of this year, and it would be like. No, you know, he broke a bunch of records. He's, you know, he's broken records which are benefited by the fact of the seasons being longer. But then he's sure. also breaking records where that doesn't make that's not got nothing to do with it, yep. right? Yep. Right. Which I, and so I like that he's doing both of those things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like the amount of wins in a season that's an easier thing to achieve now, but consecutive wins that's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, as I said, as I was saying earlier, I've never felt in the time that I've been watching the sport, that there was someone so inevitable. Mm. Like it's a word that they keep using. Yeah. It is a foregone conclusion he will win every race he begins. Like, if yeah. he... If his four wheels will get over the finish line right now, there is no argument that he will be the winner. Like, yeah. he's 30... He clears like 30 seconds. He's like yeah. half the way around the lap of the person in second place <laughs> on a consistent basis. It's, yeah. It is truly unbelievable. 
And I also think one of the things that I find so impressive about Max's driving is I don't feel like I can tell you exactly what it is mm. that sets him apart. Because it's kind of like he just does a bit of all of it. Where yeah. like Lewis, I feel like his thing was he would find the focus, right? Mm. That like he'd be doing a good thing and they'd be like hammer time, right? That's the meme. And like then he would just do it. He would just like, it was almost like you could activate him and then he would set himself apart. But Max, it just feels like he's just always on. Like, and he's just, there is like, I can't point to, you know, like I've said that he's aggressive. Yeah. But I don't think his aggression is the difference when he's leading. Like, I think his aggression is what gets him in the lead sometimes when he has challenge. But like when he's out there in the front, like what is it that means that he pulls 20 seconds over Checo or whatever, right? Like I, yeah. I genuinely don't know. <sighs> but it's, it's a spectacle to watch. But I'm more interested in what's going on behind anyway, as yeah. I would be with anyone. Like if it was, you know, obviously I would love it if my team was doing this. But if Lewis was pulling these every week, I would still be focusing on what's happening afterwards because then there's nothing you know it's just like not interesting to watch a car yeah. on its own go yeah. around the track right like yeah. it's just not interesting to watch that especially when there's legitimate challenge going on behind and that i think the last couple of races for sure maybe like the last three or four i feel like things have really started to heat up and mm. there's a lot more challenge going on and like that's that's really exciting for me now. It feels like that, especially the second half of the season, will give us much more of that. Is what I'm expecting, and, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I again, I, I really kind of just come back to the idea that it's easy to get sort of spoiled by an amazing season, and it kind of like taints others. But like, if you think about I don't know, the last thirty years. I would say 78% of the seasons were pretty dominated by, you know, a driver or a team. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff to be happy about. There's also a lot of stuff to be happy about. Like, there's still a lot more passing that we see now than there were before these new cars came in. Maybe not quite as good as the beginning of last year. But, like, there's a lot of stuff to be positive about. So I'm very much like a glass half full kind of guy. And, you know, what the drama now is, oh, is something going to go wrong with Max so he doesn't win the race? Because uh, that, that, that's the, about the only way that's going to actually be exciting. Otherwise, I want to see what's going on. P2, P3. I want to see who was inevitably caught out by some weird qualifying change or whatever, and you know, starting from P17. Like to me, that's very much kind of where the the excitement is, and that's fine, right? It beats everyone being boring and like, oh, here here's the two Red Bull drivers, here's the two Mercedes drivers, here's the two Ferrari drivers. Like it's not like that at all. Like there's so little in it between the second, third, fourth, and really the fifth. Yeah, I like teams. that. The, there are two spots on the podium each week where it could be one of six people. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Or like, like say five really, but like, you know, like <laughs> f five or six people or more. Yeah. Like, and I like that there is that to it. And like, that is mixing up more and more. Like for a point, it felt like it was just going to be Max, Checo, Alonso. Like that's what it looked like. There were there was a point in the season where it like that was what we were going to get every week, and now I'm excited about the fact that that is not so clear anymore. Yeah. And now like friggin' Oscar Piastri's come out, and you know what I mean? Like, and it's like he legitimately <laughs> could be on the podium any week now. Like, yeah. that's really exciting to me. But yeah, so like, but because I, I, I feel like I can just kind of be like, well, if Max is going to win them all, then I'll just focus on other things. Yeah. But yeah. there's also going to be, there will be a race this season where Max does not win, again, oh, yeah. like from now, right? And like, and that will just be a fun moment. That will be an exciting moment. Who's it going to be? Yeah. Because I genuinely don't believe he will finish every race. Like, that just, of course, statistically 
cannot happen. Oh man, I and that check. will be a wild race. You know, he doesn't even have a single DNF this year, right? He doesn't. I, he's he's done all the. The only times he's not won is when was when Checo beat him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right? like, I, if he is not won, I think he has been second, and it was always Checo. Yeah, because I don't think anybody else has won this season, right? Other than Red Bull. No, no, no. Red Bull's definitely blanked the entire season because they also yeah. uh, their streak started actually I think in Abu Dhabi last year. So yeah, Red Let Bull me definitely ask you a won. Question. Yeah, hit me. We can make like a mini prediction. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's Just do it. a simple yes or no. Okay. Will Red Bull win every race? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. No, I think it would be awesome though. It right? would no, it would be uh, talk about a legendary like who's ever going to beat that? I think at least because we've got what uh, 10, 10 races to go. I think at this point. Um, sure. I think yeah, that sounds about right. At this point, there's got to be some unreliability there's got to be some kind of issue that's going to come up at some point to take max out and while checo may be able to be the one who picks up the pieces i would say the odds of checo or the odds of lewis or lando or charles or whatever like any of these guys would i think equally be uh you know ready to pick up that and take the win so i think because if there's a race right if there's a race where max loses it puts it in the wall it will be pandemonium Mm. Right? Because there will be six, seven guys who are like, I can have this. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it will be, like, it. that, I think, would be quite an interesting race for that reason. Where, like, I feel like, I feel like, you know, Lewis, George, Charles, Oscar, you know, like, Sainz, Lando, like, all of these guys probably feel that they could beat Checo. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, realistically while like i'm sure they all believe they could beat max under certain circumstances i i think that they could all probably say right now mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen yeah but i think they all think they could beat checo and so yep. like if max was to go out it would be madness yeah look I, that's that's the thing like yeah it might be boring to watch max win a bunch but you don't know that and all it takes is for you know like you know he almost crashed when it started raining last week right where mm-hmm. just there's a little bit of rain and all of a sudden up oh, it's getting a little squirrely right so it's like to me i'm excited to watch the season i'm excited to continue to watch the season it's been thoroughly entertaining and i know we haven't really talked about but like there have been additional sort of format changes including like a lot more sprints this year they started doing yeah. that sort of the I test think we'll talk about that thing. Because we're going to do another episode to start the second half of the season. We can yeah. maybe reflect a little bit on what the formats have been like then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it's, it's been spicy, I guess. So yeah. everyone who's complaining, different. stop complaining. It's fine. Stop complaining. It's a good race. Just enjoy good... it, you know? Yeah. Just enjoy it. Just have fun. You know, you just spend a couple of hours on a Sunday and just watch some cars. Like, we don't need to to judge, like, the, the, the excitement of every single race. Like, even the boring races, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Can, I'm doing what I want. I'm spending my Sunday. Uh, we've spoken a bunch about Checo. We said we'd come back to Checo. Yeah. Checo's the big story right now, right? Everyone's <sighs> like, get him out of the car, which I just think is wild. Yeah. I, I, I put my, 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 like, my flag in the ground on this one is there is absolutely nobody on the grid right now who is a better pairing for Max Verstappen than Sergio Perez. Ooh, that's an interesting question or statement, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. I don't think... He's good enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's good enough. Yeah. He's got wins under his belt. He's had a tough time in qualifying recently. Yeah. But he tends to bring it home in the race, right? Mm-hmm. Which is ultimately all that's important. And he yeah. makes up his places. Yeah. You look at the other guys, right, that we're talking about. They're all going to try and fight Max more. 
whether they'll succeed or not. Yeah. I feel like they're going to try. And and I feel like Sergio is is doing the job. Yes, I agree. I think he uh, discounting a few of the races, you know, when he was you know, didn't make Q3 like four or five times in a row or whatever. I think that was too much. I think if that sort of was the form, I don't think he would have a future. But uh, we all know that Checo can be quite fast. And I think that he is doing what he needs to do which is just to be kind of close-ish to Max. Like, that's all you got to do, right? Of just, like, you know, collect some podiums, you know, be the rear gunner. Like, you don't... Uh, it. I Again, I do think it makes sense for Red Bull to have, you know, Danny, Rick, and Yuki in the wings so that Checo's form, you know, deteriorates further that they can, you know, swoop in. But there is no world there. I just don't see it. Like, I don't... See, I can't imagine a scenario where either Daniel Ricciardo or Yuki Tsunoda would be doing a better job than Sergio Perez right now. I just can't imagine it. Well, I, I, if, if Checo was doing a good job. But I, I, the thing is, it's hard to say, obviously, from the outside. But, you know, it, this is a sport. This is a, It's about psychology. It's about sort of like your mental sort of mm-hmm. attitude and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's... I, I don't like to judge, but like I do think there was a a little bit of an issue with Checo for a few races where you know mm-hmm. whether it was uh, unreliable. Well, it wasn't really unreliability so much as just like some some bad luck and then some some bad decisions. And I just think that these things can stack, and I think that all of these guys are incredibly fast. But it doesn't take that much. I mean, just look at Danny Rick. It doesn't take that much to lose a couple tenths here, a couple tenths there, and suddenly you have you know plunged down the order. So yep. I do think it makes sense to keep the pressure on him just to know that like hey. Yeah. We need you to perform. We do have a backup plan if you do not perform. And all you need to do is just do what we know you can do, and you're totally fine, right? I think that's yep. a totally reasonable message to send to Checo. You know, like none yep. of these guys are guaranteed a spot forever. It doesn't matter. Like you still have to ultimately, at the end of the day, do your job and perform well. So to, to me, it's like, it's, I'm okay with where things are. I do think that Checo just had a bad round of races, but I think he's going to be, I'm really happy that he had sort of a, pretty decent race at least before the the uh, summer break to kind of help reset things but yeah it's just it's tough it's just a very sort of tough position to be in because look how many teammates has max Verstappen had how many of them have looked bad at, or have looked good after that stint no one at all whatsoever max i think is a singularly talented driver that's on the grid right now so no one's gonna look good to him it's just like you just got to survive being max's teammate you don't thrive there and like this is one i'm this is what I'm saying about Sergio specifically. So I think we've seen so many teammates for Max and they just they just crumble. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's crumbling. He's had some bad performances in qualifying, yep. some not great stuff going on in the race, but he's still I feel like he's still holding up his end of the bargain. Like he's second. Yeah. And I yeah. and I I could imagine it staying that way. Realistically, it, it really right? if it, and I yeah I do believe there is at least thirty percent of the reason Daniel Ricciardo is in an Alpha Tower used to scare Sergio. Yes, yes, but I yes. don't think that they have plans to swap them. I think they're keeping their well, options open, right? You, you options are open, but yep. I think a lot of things like a lot of. Offers would be made before mm. we get to Daniel Ricciardo. Like, look, I well, love Danny Rick. You know what? I actually don't agree with that. I actually think that- you don't think that like Christian Horner, right? Yeah, would not go to try and get Lando to try and get Charles. You don't think he'd do that? 
I don't think most of the top tier drivers on the grid are eagerly waiting to become Max's teammate. I just don't think that's the case. I think you don't think they want to be in the fastest car. No, don't all don't. these guys think they could beat him? No, I, I I don't. I'm sure everyone thinks that they can beat him. I but think that's what I mean. Pra- there is there they're is practical. They've got what's uh, smart, and there is their their racer brain. Yeah, I just I think most of the guys on the grid are smart enough to realize that even in the same car as Max, they're probably not going to win. That their sort of their standing and this sort of the reputation is better off when they have a little bit of an excuse of oh, it's the car, it's the team, it's the strategy. I uh, yeah, mm. look, if you say if Christian goes and calls Leclerc and he calls Lando and he calls Lewis, well probably not Lewis, but like it calls all these sort of like real top tier drivers and says, hey, we got a seat open, come on over next year. I will tell you, most of them are probably going to say no, even if they were out of contract. Interesting. I, just, I don't think that that's it's. Look, look at the look at the history. Look at all the drivers who are quite good who have absolutely gotten destroyed by Max. Why would you want to put yourself on that and almost like yeah, sure you race with Max for a couple of years, you pick up a couple of wins, and then you're like gone, right? Like no one's gonna want you. You're gonna be dropped. Like you're gonna lose that reputation that you built up. So it's like to yeah. me. I think that Danny Rick is maybe not the absolute strongest option. I, I want to be clear. I don't think that it's like a absolutely obvious decision. But if you know we're at the end of this year and they need to get rid of Checo for whatever reason, doesn't matter. Just say that you know, there's a vacation of that seat and they need to fill it. If Danny Rick does a good, impressive job, he needs to pretty comprehensively, I think, outperform Yuki. You know, pull out some of that Danny Rick magic. It's going to be difficult in that car, mind you. But if he's able to do that, then I think that's the he's the obvious answer. But I agree with that. There's a lot of ifs. There's a lot. But there's of a lot of ifs. There. Yeah. But but like the reason I agree with that is because that's exactly what happened to Sergio, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. He did, he was not doing very well, right? It was uh, Force India, then Racing Point. Racing right? Point. Yep. And remember, he had no seat. Mm-hmm. But Red Bull needed someone. And, and Sergio won a Grand Prix, right? And so they yeah. brought him in. Yep. So like Daniel Ricciardo could have a similar situation. Like I agree with that, and and I would be the first to say, right? Like if Daniel Ricciardo has a season you're predicting he would need to have, I'll be like, maybe they should give him a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I just based on his time at McLaren, mm-hmm. I don't imagine it. Is that Danny Rick still around? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't imagine it. Maybe he's found a new mode and, and like I've been impressed with him so far. So like maybe in over the you know, the next few races in in the second half of the season, maybe he proves himself in a new way and I and like, oh, maybe it would be worth giving him another go at Red Bull. But I said there are so many ifs. Yeah. That I don't and like and I also want to circle back around to what you said about the other drivers, right? Mm. I agree with what you're saying that like mm. it is good to have the excuse and stuff like that. But I just don't know if I know how these guys think. That's the thing that I can't yeah. reconcile, right? Like, yeah. do they think that? I think some of them, like Lewis Hamilton, would never drive alongside Max Verstappen. Just not going to happen, right? Probably just, not. Yeah, I, I, I no cannot just- imagine there is an amount of money in the world yeah. that Christian Horner could give to Lewis Hamilton to make him do that, <laughs> right? Like, I just don't think he would do it because I don't think I think he would know this is of no benefit to me. It's yes. better to have the question, right? Yep. Yep. as who's the best i don't want to prove it by being in the same car as him mm-hmm. but some of these other guys i'm just not sure where they think they are and like realistically i don't think we even know like you put lando norris in a red bull i don't know i think put george russell in a red bull i don't know right like i don't know i think it's competitive i just 
look, out of all the guys, I, I don't want to say that none of them would take the seat. I think probably one of them would. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of them would probably, I mean, first of all, I just have to really think about it. But also, it's just not that much of a no-brainer decision, right? It's just, it's, no, it's a, not a no-brainer. super risky career gamble that could flush your reputation down the toilet. And yeah, you probably would do okay for a little bit, but it's just like uh, Lando. Okay, look, if, okay, so let's just say Lando, because I think he's probably the most likely of all these guys, right? Obviously, Max and Lando get along super well. I think Lando <laughs> would do a good job. Honestly, I do think Lando would do a very good job of competing with Max in a way that some of the other guys, even like a Charles, I don't think that necessarily would be a great pairing. Like I think, I think Lando, Lando could. could do it. Like he has that confidence. He yeah. has the confidence that I don't think you really see in a lot of other drivers. Yeah. They're like, you know, and I hear people talk about this too. Like Lando Norris in the wet is quite a thing to behold because it feels like he just doesn't change his driving style. Yuki's also, I will say Yuki's also quite good in the wet. Did you see like some of the laps he was putting in? Like there's definitely some drivers who like, I've always, you know, my dad actually always said this when uh, when I was growing up. He was he always liked uh, Michael Schumacher. He's like, yeah, once it starts raining, he's just like the world's fastest guy. Like it's just it's like he drives if there's like no water. And I remember always thinking about that as a kid of like, you know what? It does make sense. You know, it's one thing for you to be, you know, a super fast driver when you know everything's perfect and everything, but when it's wet and you've got, you know, absolute to wrestle control with the car at every corner and every corner is gonna be different conditions and stuff, that really to me shows a lot about the sort of the real innate talent of a driver if you're quick in the rain and of course quick in the dry. Yeah. And but yeah, I just it's it's complicated, right? Of like, yeah. what do these guys want? And realistically, they want to... All they want is to be number one. Yep. Right? That's all any of them want. Otherwise, what's the point in being there? And that's the question I have of like, does that feeling get in the way of logic? Mm, probably. For some of these guys. Some of these guys... Though, some I'd- of them, but I don't know. I assume I some of them are also pretty pragmatic about their careers and about salaries and stuff. Like it's it's difficult to say. Obviously, none of them are gonna like. Well, you know what? Yeah, thirty million a year. I'm there. Like I, I, most of them are never gonna like say they think like that. But just to me, it's just like if you are that competitive and you're going into a team which is highly likely to make you look bad after a couple of years, either by you know you can't measure up to Max or you're you're gonna ruin your future career and you know that you mm-hmm. know who's gonna really survive is Max's teammate for that long, right? Like no one. Everyone's, I feel like it's a revolving door. Or whether you get six months, whether you get a year and a half, whether you get two or three years, like no one's really going to stick. Like you can't imagine that Danny Rick, if he had not left Red Bull, would still be in that seat right now. Like you just, you just can't imagine it, right? Like I think yeah. it, it's just, it's you're going to get moved along just because you're getting absolutely destroyed, and Red Bull are going to be looking for the next best driver, and they're going to keep cycling in, and it's just, it's just a tough sort of thing. But I don't. know. Would you do it? Would you be Max's teammate if you were, say? George or Orlando or Charles, like, would you do it? Yeah, yeah. You think you're yeah. the best? But no, but I think if I'm putting myself in their shoes, yeah, you want to do it? You do it. I, I mean, sure. I, I genuinely like to me, like I, I understand everything you're saying, but like, if I'm one of these guys, I have been conditioned to believe that I'm number one, and I've been proven that I can be number one. You know, like so many of these guys have won. A championship, yep. right? Yep, yep. And that they would know that at that point they had the right match. They had their talent and they had the car. Like that's what gets these guys to be number one when they're number one. Everyone knows the Red Bull is the best car. Every driver thinks they're the best driver. Yeah. Look, I maybe it's because I'm not a competitive enough person. I, I think if it's my head, oh, I feel I. I I wouldn't do it. Like me yeah. knowing everything, like I, I yeah. wouldn't do it. You, you, like if I was like me, 
in mm-hmm. my brain, yeah. I wouldn't be so stupid. Like I agree with you. Of like, <laughs> you just cash the I'm fat check. Good. <laughs> yeah, like I'm good. Like I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna get my work done, and like that's me. But I just don't think I, I'm, yeah. I'm. I know in my bones that they don't all believe that, and I know at least one of them would do it. Yeah, I think one of them would, but I think most of them would probably say no. But it's just, it's a really good hypothetical, though. It's a really love good it. hypothetical. Yeah. But, but like, that's what I love that just like every Formula One outlet right now, all we're doing is talking about that second seat. What else are we going to talk about? It's silly when season, baby. But I don't think it's going to change. I no, think I don't. We will, I think not, we will get to the end of this season, and next season it will still be Checo. I don't think it's going to be anyone else. I agree. I think something would have to go quite spectacularly wrong for Checo. Like he would have to miss five more Q3s in a row, I think, before his seat would be in real proper question. Yeah. The last thing before we yeah, go today. Let's do it. I let's do it. This is going to happen, but I think yeah. this is hilarious. I saw this go by the other day. There were rumors of a title sponsorship at Alpha Tauri from Hugo Boss, right? Yep, yep, yep. And the rumored name that they would go with is Hugo Boss Bulls Racing. <laughs> Have you seen this? Dude, it is the dumbest thing ever. So, like, there's a lot it, of... Who is Bulls? Who is Bulls? <laughs> who is that? I don't, there's no way that someone actually said that. Like, I think someone I just, don't like, believe, heard... This is a translation error, or like, <laughs> but, like, it's going everywhere. I'm seeing it everywhere right now. Yeah, so, yeah. There is no world in which this team would become Hugo Boss Bulls Racing. No way, no way. Uh, but I yeah. love it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Look, uh, clearly Alpha Tower is not going to be called Alpha Tower next year. You know, whether it's Hugo Boss Racing or whatever, that's fine. And I understand that Red Bull might, you know, considering they own the team, they may want to actually put a little bit more Red Bull branding on it just to make sure that people know that, you know, this is a Red Bull team. Um, but there's a great article on the race uh, by, uh, who wrote it? I don't know, uh, by Scott Malm, Scott, Scott Mitchell, um, who really nicely sort of uh, eloquently described why it's such a problem for when the 10 teams are not allowing other entrants on the grid and yet are rebranding themselves essentially just with sponsor deals left and right. You know, because there's also a further rumor that potentially Alfa Romeo may move over to sponsoring Haas and potentially even just rebrand the team as Alfa Romeo, which is really strange to think about how they, you know, Sauber has been, you know, a pretty much independent team that just are a quote-unquote Alfa Tauri, uh, or sorry, Alfa Romeo team. And now they may be doing the same thing with Haas. It's just it feels a little bit sort of disingenuous when you're not letting new teams on the grid because you're trying to protect your own sort of IP and you're, you're protecting your slice of the pie. And then at that same time, you're, you know, it's one thing for a title sponsorship. That's fine. But when you're rebranding the actual name of the team for a sponsor who comes through, I don't like that. And especially if it ends up with Bulls. What, what was it? Uh, <laughs> Hugo Boss Bulls oh Racing. I, I, just, I can't. I can't take it seriously. It, that's just not a thing. Like that is that is not a thing. Um, like, look, because uh, there is no such. There is no bulls. Who's the bulls? <laughs> was it better? It's if not it's, called Red Bulls. <laughs> you think it's going to be Hugo Boss Red Bull Racing? If then, they did that's, it, but that's confusing though, because people are going to think that that's actual real Red Bull, right? Like they, I do understand they can't just call it Red Bull too. You know, like there, there's going to have to be something different. But Bulls is not a great brand, I think. But like, uh, why, why yeah. wouldn't it just be like Hugo Boss Alfatari? 
Yeah, yeah, and that's probably a smarter move. Like, if they do that, that's fine. I just don't like the idea of completely tearing up the playbook and rebranding a team. Because, I mean, keep in mind, it was just a couple years ago this was Toro Rosso, which it was for, the, what, like 15 years or something? And then they changed it to AlphaTauri, which is fine. You know, it's still all Red Bull, you know, was an actual... Like, that made sense. But if they just decide that this year they're going to be uh, Hugo Boss, you know, Bulls Racing, and then the year after it's going to be... Uh, Costco, Walmart racing, or I just I don't I don't like the idea that it's a t- not a title sponsorship, but it's an actual like full quote unquote team rebrand. That's uh, it's not it. That's not it. The the problem is that like with the Hugo Boss thing, anyways, that Alpha Tower is a fashion brand. Like it's their attempt yeah. at a fashion brand. So it's like fashion brand, fashion brand racing. That that seems that strange to me anyway. Very as true. like Hugo Boss even coming on board as like so yeah, I could understand the situation where they might want to drop the Alpha Tower part yeah. but, then go back but to that Toro Rosso. means like yeah like hugo boss toro racing yeah. or something but like yeah. uh, look, they might do it but like hugo boss bulls racing <laughs> it's just like i don't <laughs> i don't understand it man i just don't get it because it is like it's just like there is there's no bulls like who's the bulls i i just i Who's the Bulls, Austin? Tell me who the Bulls are. The Bulls are whoever gets fired from the seat in the next silly season, my friends. Ugh. Incredible. It's good to be back. It's good to go through yep. some of the absolute wacky shenanigans. And we're going to be back actually again very shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in just a couple of weeks' time, we'll be uh, coming back just before the beginning of the, the, like, the restart of the season. Maybe there's going to be some news. There's probably going to be some oh, yeah. news, and we'll talk oh, about yeah. whatever's going on because there's a lot of still question marks up in the air that teams like to have resolved before the season begins. And we'll also give up some of our th- thoughts about the format changes yeah. that we're seeing this year uh, and if or which ones we'd like to see stick or change. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Backmarkers. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Austin. Goodbye, adios, and good luck on Silly Season. Bulls. Stop saying that!